Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered, episode 362, coming to you live from Nashville, uh, post-draft. Uh, I'm here with my co-host, Matt Rip Smith. <laughs> Good afternoon. So, uh, yeah, let, let's just get right into it here. We're going to talk about the NHL draft. We're going to talk about the Canadians. We're going to just go through what we saw here and... Uh, the first, the first things first, the atmosphere at the draft. So the first day we showed up, it, was, it wasn't as um, uh, energetic as it was in Montreal. No, I, 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 unfortunately, I wasn't able to make it to Montreal due to the deployment, but uh, previous drafts had a little bit more energy, let's just say that. And I, I feel that uh, part of it was due to the fact that there was zero trades during the first round, uh, something that hasn't been done in quite a few years. So it was kind of the pick is in, the pick is in, the pick is in, the pick is in. And like um, the only real energy, in, in my opinion, was um, when Nashville made their picks, when they were booing Chicago and when, when Bedard um, was named, there was, a, there was quite a bit of energy in the room. And then when... Uh, Jim Nill took a little bit too long with his acceptance speech for the GM of the year. Um, the, the the crowd showed a little bit of life then, but other than that, it was yeah. uh, a little bit, a little bit dull, a little bit dull, but uh, you know, it's still a great atmosphere, great city. Uh, the fans are great. Uh, anyone that we've ran into has been fantastic. Uh, all the arena staff are really nice and everything like that. So uh, great place to have the draft, but uh, it was kind of uh First round, especially, was a little bit vanilla. Let's just say that. Yeah, I think it had a lot to do with the expectations going into day one. People expected to see a bunch of trades. They expected to see movement. Uh, and in reality, all the movement was done the day before. And then it was just tick, 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 tick yeah. going through each pick. Uh, of course, when Jim Nell was, was taking, uh, I think it took like six years to do his acceptance. Uh, people were actually booing and yelling play him off like it was the Oscars or something. Um, and you're right. The, the people here were amazing. And uh, I think we deserve to give a shout out to Darren, one of the, one of our listeners. We ran into him. We hung out with him last night and today at the draft. Uh, great guy. We had a great time with him. Uh, knowledgeable uh, because he truly likes us. So he clearly has got great taste. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> he was a little disappointed. Trey couldn't be here. And uh, as we are, um, Trent had some issues with his flight. Uh, it took me two days to get here, but I was lucky I made it. Whereas Treg, his flights were all canceled. He was stranded in New York for a bit, then in Ottawa. Uh, he's still not home yet. So uh, I unfortunately couldn't make it, but he did try. Now, the atmosphere in day two uh, was very different. very different from day one. There was not a lot going on. No, and there wasn't a lot of people there either. No. Um, for a, uh, just to give you guys a uh, perspective, um, it was general admission for, I believe, the 200s and the 300s. Yeah. And there were not a lot of people. Let's just say that. Um, there are storms going through Nashville right now. So um, during, I think, the sixth round, maybe during the early seventh round, um, they actually advised everyone that there's uh, heavy, heavy storms in the area and to, uh, to actually stay inside the building and we could hear the thunder throughout the arena so um even with that it was it was very quiet in the draft um few hecklers couple guys yelling stuff as you always see with anything like this but uh there wasn't uh, there wasn't any big home run trades there weren't there weren't anything that you know you had to jump on your phone right away and uh be one of the first to get it on social media or anything it wasn't anything like that so um it was great for the honestly it was great it was good for the families 
Yeah. And uh, it, it, it really, it really put into perspective how much it means to them because, because there weren't as many fans and there wasn't as much noise and the uh, ambiance really wasn't there. In my opinion, it uh, it really made for uh, quite a moment for some of these families and you hear these guys' names get picked, whole family erupts and you can hear it throughout the whole arena. And uh, it was it was special, it was special to those kids and uh, congrats to all of them, of course. And um, we still don't know 100% where the draft's gonna be next year. Everyone's been hinting that it's going to be in Vegas. That's what it's looking like. But uh, unlike previous drafts where uh, usually Bill Daly does the last few picks um, and they'll say, you know, this concludes the 2023 NHL draft. We'll, we'll see you in Nashville. He just, just kind of said, we'll be in the ball. And that was it. So, yeah. Uh, so, but at the end of the draft, there's something neat that happened. We got to see. Uh, Mr. Mr. Jimmy Allen be selected. There's, There's a trade, a trade. Uh, and it ended up being Tyler Peddle from the Jungle to the Jaws. He's an Scotia boy. So they were right next to him. So it's great to watch the reaction of the family. You know, he sat, sat through the entire thing, day one, day two, all the way to the end. And he, there's a trade to get his rights, and then they picked him. So it was great to see that. Uh, unfortunately, there were some people that uh, we know that did not get selected and it's unfortunate. We felt that, we, we all felt that they deserve to be selected. Uh, unfortunately, just couldn't. Um, and that that's the part that kind of hurts. hurts, but they're gonna have chances for the next couple of years. Uh, teams tend to be drafting overagers more and more now. So it's not over for any of these kids that weren't picked. That's right. Now. From there to the reaction by the Canadians fans about the work done by Kent Hughes and his team. So I think Mark Dumont said it best on Twitter uh, as he was the only one that wasn't swearing consistently in his tweets. Uh, so he said the 2023 draft feels like the polar opposite of the 22 draft. Guys like Hudson, Beck, Rohr, Gandal, Angstrom, uh, even Davidson brought good value for the table. Uh, a home run draft by the Habs this year. And so that seems to be the majority reaction from Habs fans. It seems to be that way. Uh, you know, before we started breaking down the picks or anything, it was, it was more, it was more, um, they drafted for necessity. Yeah. It really seems that the, that's the way that they did it. And, you know, we, we'll get into the picks, as I said, but, um, we knew they were going to take a goalie. I didn't think they were going to take three. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for me, it was um, after they made the uh, trade for Newhook, I really thought that the uh, the pick that they were going to make at five was going to be go for the most talented player, go for the most, go for some offense. The uh, Canadians for the last X amount of many years, years have really, really struggled on the offensive, offensive side of the ice. ice. There were some very good players available. Um, they didn't make that selection or they didn't make a selection that uh, would coincide with uh, offensive uh, potential. Um, and, and you can see it. It's all over Twitter. It's all over social media. People, People are shitting on this pick. Yeah. Very, very hard. And um, they're 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 left kind of feeling the same way. They're kind of feeling like meh with the with the picks that they had and with the the year that they had um having early early picks in in nearly every round that uh they would leave the draft with a little bit um i don't know a better a better prospect pool and like i'm happy with a few of the picks that they made i'll bring those up to when we start talking about them but um it was it was more of a play it safe type uh type draft and they reached on a few guys for sure yeah now with with the reaction that i see from social media of the fan base uh i agree there's there's reasons for it totally understand that uh the majority feel like the comedians uh they they weren't picking up any uh high upside sliding players so in prior drafts the Hudson 
he was a high upside player that was sliding and the Canadians picked him. So everyone got excited for that pick. Don't get me wrong, he's good. But in this draft, they didn't have any of those types of players. Uh, but I don't think that's really the point of the draft is you're not trying to win the draft that day. You're looking long-term. <clears throat> and with this draft, I agree, they were going for need. Um, they, and then they filled a few needs, defense, goaltending. And what they did was they went after players that had a very high floor and they had good uh, work ethic, they're competitive, and they fit the character aspect, which in Montreal is really, really needed because you're going to be under the microscope. <clears throat> Even not in Montreal, as a prospect, you are under the microscope. So they went after guys, guys like that. There's reasons they didn't pick others like Mitchkov. Uh, they, they were not really impressed with his, uh, his interview. <clears throat> not enough to... Uh, put him ahead of Reinbacher, clearly. And while most people wanted Mitchkov because he's this slick, sexy point scorer, no one, we can't at this day say that's a guaranteed superstar. There's only one player in this draft that we can say that for. Hampton, Hampton Slavinlaski. Hampton Slavinlaski. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who went to the Kings. So Bergerman obviously listens to this show. 100%. <laughs> But that, that's that's the uh, that was the approach that I saw from the staff in this draft. They were going specifically for uh, certain set of skill sets, but mostly character and work ethic. Uh, you you can be as skilled as you as, as humanly possible, possible, but without that, that, that character aspect or that that, that work ethic aspect, aspect, you will never be successful. Now. A couple of years down the line, where I'm sure there's going to be people yelling, oh, my God, why didn't we pick this guy or that guy? Uh, personally, I wanted Leonard. I thought Leonard would have been the best pick at, uh, at five because Smith was gone. But say that he. So uh, why don't we just jump into the Habs picks? We'll go one by one. Sure. And we will start with the uh, the first pick at number five, David, um, David, uh, David. Ryan I see what you did there. I see what you did there. And you know what? A lot of people showed on Carey Price for this. Um, it happened as well to Pecorine later in the draft. Um, it you know what it is, what it is. It it really is. Like I'm like, is it an embarrassing moment? Absolutely. Did he uh apologize profusely to Reinbacher afterwards? Yes, he did. It's just, it's just one just of those things where he uh, he zoned out on the team. Yeah. It's it's not a not a common name for for Terry, so yeah, sure, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, so people can chill. calm down, calm down, chill a little bit. Chill out. Um, so want to break down the pick? Yeah. Do you want to start? No, no, you go ahead. All right. So David Reinbacher, um, played in the Swiss League. Uh, right-handed shot defenseman, six-two-one uh, ninety-four. He is from uh, he's from Austria. Played in the Austrian. Um, uh, World Juniors uh, team as well. Uh, Blaine, I know you got to see him quite a bit and uh, he impressed. He also played at the World Championships and then had a knee injury. Missed a, missed a little bit of time there. Um, he was not my first pick. I'll say that. Uh, the more I read up on him, the more I've done a little bit of research since last night. I'm a little bit happier, let's just say that. Uh, a lot of people are saying a lot of positive things about him around here. I'm going to give this guy a chance. Um, if he, he, he has the potential to be a, uh, a future top four, maybe a future top pair on the right-handed side. Um, there's good clips out there of him. He's a, he's a fluid skater. He's got a good shot. Um, he uses his size to his advantage, not necessarily, um, the most physical player, he can play the body, of course, but uh, he's more of a gap control type guy, uses a stick, et cetera, uh, makes a good first pass, can skate out of the zone, et cetera. He's still raw in terms of talent, um, but I think all the tools are there. And um, I just I just think that um, the fan base is being a little bit too hard on him. Uh, a lot of, uh, which is just... It's it's not it's not it's not right. You got to think this guy's eighteen years old. 
Um, he's 18 years old, and for people to be posting stuff online uh, regarding Hitler and all this kind of stuff, saying he's the you know second second worst thing to come into Austria and all this stuff, it's just like there's no place for that. No, no place for that. Absolutely not. No. no. You can dislike the fact that your guy wasn't picked. That's fine, but yeah. that's crossing the line. You're, yeah, you're comparing this poor kid to uh, one of the worst people to ever have lived. That's it's fucking unfair. Yeah. Leave this poor kid alone. Let him, Let him do, his, do his job and play hockey. It's just a fucking game. Yeah, but on the game, Reinbacher is going to be a very good defenseman. He is going to be, in my opinion, he's going to be a top pairing player. Uh, he is not, you know, like a, an all-star uh, Hall of Fame style oh, top defenseman, but he is going to be a very reliable defensive uh, defensive player. He'll be able to put up some points. Uh, his high end probably going to be around 45, 50 points offensive high end. Um, but he's a guy who's going to be able to play 25 minutes, maybe 30 minutes a night uh, in every situation. You can rely on him, especially because he is so smart with the puck as you mentioned he's not he's not overly physical but he will use the body but it's more <clears throat> he uses his his reach and his positioning to angle players off and he is extremely fast for a player of his size um like uh like Gooley, we saw Gooley last season go toe-to-toe with uh, Connor david reinbacher is the same type of mobility defenseman so keep that in mind. And it looks like the Canadians were looking to complete a, a, a style, style of blue line that they wanted to build. So when uh, when Gordon and Hughes were both finally hired, they talked about the type of blue line they wanted to build and the way it'll play. And the way that with the players they have on hand now and who they've been picking uh, in the last couple of drafts, it points directly to that kind of blue line, which I think is going to be one of the more effective blue lines once they're developed. Now with Reinbacher, he can come over to North America next year. He could play NHL, he could play maybe. He can definitely play AHL, but I think he's going to end up playing one more year in Europe. I think so too. At least, at least one more year. Yeah. Yeah. This isn't a guy you need to rush. Now I wrote, I did a full breakdown of this player uh for the hockey writers it's out now you can check it out uh, it goes uh, going depth on his offensive skills the defensive style play the intangibles behind his uh his game and i'm gonna i'm gonna state this right now like you mentioned i saw him quite a bit at the world juniors i've spoken to him quite a bit uh, i've spoken to his coaches i even spoke to his family this kid during that world juniors played that entire tournament sick. He could not eat solid food. He was bedridden between ice times. Even going to practice knocked him out. He was on IV fluids the entire tournament, and he still played an extremely uh, extremely effective tournament, and he could have done much better, which I think had he had been healthy and played better in that tournament, people would be he'd be higher on people's lists. But I know for a fact uh, on NHL scouting staff lists, he was extremely high, much higher than people want to admit. So I know he's not the sexy pick, but let's give him a couple of years. I think fans will appreciate the fact that they've got themselves a big right-handed defenseman who plays like a Roman Yossi. So the way that we're going to do this show uh, just so everyone knows, we're going to go, we're, we're only going to be talking about the Canadians picks as of right now, um, pretty much based on the fact that Trey couldn't join us. And we want to be able to do a show where it's three of us and we kind of want to break down the draft as a whole. We're going to talk about some other picks as well, um, mainly with the Canadians, but, you know, we'll, we can look into the new hook trade and who was picked with those picks, et cetera, and how they're going to now be latched to the Canadians until the rest of their, you know, for the rest of their lives type thing. But um, for this show, it's just, we're just going to be dealing with the, uh, the Canadians picks. Yeah. We'll do a, a response to the uh, new hook trade. Yeah. So, um, 
we'll just move on to the next pick uh, at number 69. In the third round, Jacob Fowler, a goaltender from Youngstown of the USHL. Now, you, you've seen a lot more of him than I have, so I'm going to give it to you. So, Jacob Fowler, um, he was my pick at 69, actually. Um, put it up on Twitter prior to, so you can't say that I just said it. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I had a feeling they were going to take a goalie. Um, Gajan was the first one to go early in the second round, and then it was like four or five goalies went in the second round. It was, like it was uh, uh, Augustine went, Gajan went, Harabal. Um, then there was another fellow that went to uh, another tall defenseman, a tall uh, goaltender that went to Anaheim. Don't remember his name. Um, but like all the all the guys that you expected to go started going, and I and I looked over at Blaine a couple wow. times and said, you know, if they're going to take a, a goalie, they're going to have to take one soon. And he was my pick at sixty nine. Uh, so Jacob Fowler, six foot two. Uh, he's listed at 223 pounds. He's from Melbourne, uh, Florida. Uh, he played for the Youngtown, Youngstown Phantoms of the uh, USHL, where he played extremely well. He went to 27-9-3 and three, uh, with a 228 goals against and a 921 save for the season uh, with five shutouts. Very good numbers. Um, and those numbers were even better during the playoffs. Uh, he was named USHL Goaltender of the Year. Um, and I've heard his ceiling is, is 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 right up there with 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 all these other goaltenders. Uh, I believe he was ranked fifth among North American uh, goaltenders. I, I I think that uh, the kind of the sky's the limits for this guy. I, I think that it was a it was a solid pick. It was a safe pick in terms of selecting a goaltender, and um, I think that we're going to hear a lot from this guy. I think this is a guy that. Uh, He's going to be around, and I believe he's going to be going to Boston College next season. So we'll definitely be hearing about him. Gee, Boston. Boston. Uh, funny, funny how that works out. But uh, <laughs> but, uh, but a guy that was USHL goaltender for the year, he was the playoff MVP, um, put up just huge numbers. So uh, this is a prospect. He's a prospect to be excited about. He'll be the he's he'll be that uh, next goaltending prospect in the uh, in the Canadian symbol or uh, Canadians stable. That they've been looking for for a while yeah and he's a gamer too like he's, he's, a, a, he's a big kid like tall, tall, tall. tall kind of like six two six three uh he's 223 which sounds heavy but you see him he's he doesn't look heavy no he looks thin yeah he's a very athletic goaltender and uh in the playoffs is when he really stepped up his game he, yeah he, uh, he had a 952 save percentage 1.36 goals against average and you know they did pretty well in the playoffs. Um, going to Boston College, and that's going to be a very strong team next year. You're going to have the uh, Team USA top line with Leonard Smith and uh, Perot showing up there. They they were already a very competitive program. Now you get these four people showing up to Boston College, and they're going to be very competitive. And keep in mind too. While uh, while uh, Trey Augustine and uh, uh, Hrabel were being touted by, by independent scouts as the best goaltenders, several NHL scouts were pushing Jacob Fowler as the top goaltender in their view. So uh, scouting goalies is it, it's hard to do. It's very there, there's a lot more art than science to it. So. I'm going to put a little bit of faith in them and say they know a little bit more about goaltenders than I do, which they do. Uh, so I'm not upset about that pick, especially at number 69. I think that's a high value pick. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, now, moving on to the fourth round at 101st overall, uh, the Canadians stay with the family and, <laughs> and they get Florian Jackye, Arbor Jackye's younger brother from the Hamilton Bulldogs, uh, 19 years old. Left-hand shot, 6'2", 174, so he's not as big as his brother, but he may end up that way. Uh, he had 13 goals in 68 games. He had three points in the playoffs in his six playoff games, uh, and he is a tough, tough customer. He's a jack guy. He, he, he takes after his brother a bit in that end. So I think the Canadians are looking at a player who in a few years could be able to fill a third line role as an energy player and be able to 
adding a little bit of offense as well. Yeah, I I, I see him being a he'll be. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to sell the kid short or anything. Um, happy to see that he he was picked with the uh, with the Canadians. Yeah. I think it might have been a little bit of a reach. Um, and I think that maybe he could have been uh, picked in a in a later round. However, uh, the picks in. Uh, he went one hundred hundred first. Um, and as Blaine said, he is he does play like his brother, even though he's a winger. Um, but it, even if he ends up being a, a high energy in your face type, type um, high four check type, type. Um, winger at the NHL level for a fourth round pick, that's not too bad. So uh, that's that's kind of what I think that his ceiling's going to be. Uh, you know, third line energy guy, but. Uh, We'll see. We'll see how it goes, but um, not upset about the pick. I, again, a little bit of a reach, but uh, it's going to get him. He's going to be happier with his brother around. His brother's going to be happy with him around, hopefully. So uh, just you know, hope for the best and uh, look forward to following them next season when they're going to be uh, the team actually moved to Brantford. So yeah. they'll be playing, uh, playing in Brantford next season. So. And keep in mind as well, his his dad was is a Canadians fan. So having both his sons as part of the Canadians organization, uh, it's got to be a dream come true for someone who sacrificed and worked so hard. Yeah. In coming over to this country and building a life for his yeah. family, and then this is the fruits of their labor are coming coming to fruition. We see this. Uh, while yes, I think it might be a little bit of a reach, and yes, there were other players like Cole Knubel that I would prefer. Uh, I think Jack I would have been available probably in the fifth round, but, but I, don't, I don't think it's a bad pick. Now, again, they're not picking up sliders and high upside type people. They're picking guys who have a certain type of skill set that they're looking for, be it size and strength, but it's all about the consistency, work ethic, and their character. And now moving on from him to somebody that I don't think anybody had on their lists, like anybody. I had to look this guy up. I, he was not on my list. We had to do this a few times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Bogdan Kanyushov uh, from the KHL, a defenseman, right-hand defenseman, 5'11", 176. Uh, he had some good numbers in the KHL. Uh, two goals, 23 assists in 64 games. He had five points in 10 playoff games. Um, and he does look like just judging by the numbers and what I've heard other people mention, it looks like he's ready to make the leap to the North American game. I would say so, but I think he's going to be another one of those guys. He's going to stick around in Russia for a little while, and then he'll make a decision from there. Um, he's, he's 20 years old as well, all right? He's not, he's not 18. So, um, again, he's played, he's played in the KHL. He's played against men. He's put up some decent numbers. So I think it's going to be one of those other type project defensemen. And um, they'll see how he plays overseas over the next little bit and then make a decision on him. But uh, he's got he's got some talent. What did you say that? He's got some talent. We don't know a lot about him. Um, again, he wasn't on our draft list or anything. But uh, I'm sure that it'll come out soon and uh, it'll be another – Another one of those players to to kind of follow over the over the next season or two. And, and while he's relatively unknown to people here, uh, clearly Bob Roth had a bit of insight yeah. in being the Russian factor. Um, well, look at Romanov. Yeah. Right. Look at Romanov. When we were we were at the draft, when Romanov was picked, nobody knew who the hell this guy was. No, no idea. No idea who this person was, and uh, he. He was ranked well outside of the second round where he was taken. Let's just say that. Right. And um, we just saw this scrawny type Russian kid walking around Dallas and you see what he's turned into. So I'm not going to say that um, this guy's going to turn into a Romanov type player. However, um, I'm going to keep a little bit of faith that uh, even though it's a, a different scouting staff and every everything, I'll keep a little bit of faith that this guy might do something. And for those who were looking for, you know, these high value sliders, this is a pick that 
seems like a, a home run swing at other, they're taking a chance on a guy that they think might be able to step into an NHL role and be a solid NHL player for a while, um, or they'll completely miss. At this point, they took a chance. And we'll it's a, see. It's a, it's a fourth round pick. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, the next fourth round pick is someone that I had on my list as one of the top 10 QMJHL prospects. Uh, he was the backup goaltender for Quebec City who ended up winning the Memorial Cup, and that's Quentin Miller. Uh, he's 6'3", 180 some odd pounds. You wouldn't guess by the name, but he's from Montreal. So they picked a Quebec League player from Montreal. I'm sure this will placate anybody who's looking <laughs> for uh, local talent. Um, so he was the backup in Quebec. He had a 9-11 save percentage. Uh, he, won, he was 14-4. He didn't have a lot of uh, work because uh, Quebec was riding their starter pretty hard throughout yeah. the year. But William Rousseau will not be – he's not going to be back next year. That's right, right. And if it happens that he does come back for his overage season, he's going to play for uh, the Huskies. Yeah, he's traded. So that means Miller is the de facto starter for Quebec next year. So he's going to get a lot more time. Um Fans will get to see a lot more of them now. And, and honestly, I like this pick. I think this is a high-value pick at this rank. For for a for, fourth-round pick? Yeah. Or a fifth-round pick? Fifth-round pick? Yeah. yeah. Fourth-round. Fourth-round. Late fourth-round. Yeah. I'm okay with it. It's, uh, that's one, again, that I'm okay with. The two goaltender picks so far, um, <laughs> I've, uh, I, I, I have no issue with and. The fact that Miller is going to come in, as you said, likely going to be the uh, the starter in Quebec. Um, the um, the team's going to go through a lot of changes. Obviously, Patrick Waugh is not going to be around, et cetera. However, they've brought in a winning mentality. They've got an incredible fan base. They've got okay. an NHL arena to play in. <laughs> yeah. um, so... It, for him putting the numbers up that he did with with uh, with the team being selected by the team, you know, you grew up watching. I'd say it's a, it's um, another one of those safe, it's another safe pick, and it could end up being uh, another high value pick. Yeah, and yeah. I know that uh, Patrick Wild was really high on Quentin Miller. He really liked uh, his approach to the game, his mental side. Which uh, coming from from Noah, that's 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 high praise. So uh, huh? I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how he's going to progress over the next few years. Yeah. Now, moving on to the fifth round, the Canadians had two picks in the fifth round, and with the first pick in the fifth round, they chose a left winger from Sioux Falls, uh, Sam Harris, another 20 year old, an overager. Uh, uh, he's he's a slightly undersized, at 5'11", 180 pounds. But he's going to have some time to uh, to add some strength and grow a little bit uh, as he's going to be going to the University of Denver, I believe. Yeah. Uh, so there's three, four years before they have to worry about signing him. Um, he's got some offensive upside. upside to his game. He scored 30 goals, 56 points in 56 games. Yeah. Can't say I can add very much more than that. Uh, another one of those guys kind of, not on our draft list, didn't really know much about them, but that's what you're going to get with these picks. Yeah. Um, you know, we study quite a bit the first round, second round, third round, et cetera. Um, look at some goalies, et cetera. You start getting into fourth, fifth rounds. Some of these guys, uh, you know who they are. Some of them, you have no idea. Like we, we, we heard quite a few names that we looked oh. up from other, from other teams and, mm -hmm. These guys weren't even ranked, and it was a wake. It was like, are we sure that it's this guy that uh, they picked? And then you have to wait till elite prospects puts them up, and it's like, yeah, drafted, you know, two hundred in this by this team, and you're like, oh, that's who it is. Okay, okay, yeah, but uh, with him, his main uh, skill set that, if you can lean on it heavily, is his skating. He's a he's a great skater, so. From what I've heard, I, I've, I haven't watched very much of the USHL, so I can't really state for certain. But from what we've been told, skating is his main aspect. So if he can make it, it'll be on that. 
Uh, and then we picked another goalie. <laughs> three goalies? My goodness. So at 144, they selected Yevgeny Volokin, uh, who played in the NHL with Memonti Uhuri. Uh, he's a six foot three goalie. Uh, he had some pretty decent numbers. He was he went 26 and three, uh, 212 G, uh, goals against average and 927 save percentage. So those are decent numbers. Yeah, they're good numbers. Um, I don't I don't know if he'll ever come to North America. It's hard to say. Uh, from what I understand, his next step is going to be the KHL next year. But it's another one of those picks that it's like, you know, we'll stock the we'll stock the cupboards and uh, hopefully a few of these kind of guys stick around and we'll kind of make the most of them. Um, the problem with all the problem with some of these Russian players, um, which a lot of them went in the draft. Yeah. Right. We we looked at each other quite a few times and we're like the the Russian factor. What? Yes, it's still there. But when it came to the picks that were made, uh, there was a hell of a lot of Russians that went this draft. So even though a lot of these, a lot of teams weren't able to see these players in person, um, they're willing to take a shot at them. So we shall see what what comes of this guy. Um, I had never heard of him <laughs> going into today. So uh, again, hope you you always hope, right? You always hope that these fifth, sixth, seventh round picks um, are guys that are going to, uh, that are going to make it. So he might be the the next on the list. Might be. Might be. So from there, uh, the Canadians went to a forward. Uh, the second, third forward in this draft, uh, the Philip Erickson from the Vaxo Lakers of the SHL. Uh, 6'2", 172 pounds, left-hand shot, centerman. Uh, he, his, his numbers weren't great because he didn't play a lot of games, but when he played for the junior the junior team, the uh, J20 team for the uh, Vaxo Lakers, he had five goals and 10 points in 11 games, and he had uh, one goal in the three playoff games. So I'm not 100% sure why he had so few games. Was it an injury? Was it because he was called up to the SHL and just kind of sat as a healthy scratch for a long time? But uh, again, this is one of those picks where you're in the sixth round. It seems to me they took a, a home run swing on a centerman who they think might turn into uh, uh, another one of their, their, you know, like a, a Yelonen type player. Yeah. And with the sixth round pick, you can kind of throw you can kind of throw that out. And there was still some decent players available. And like I won't get into it right now, but uh, it'll be something we'll come up on another show. Um, um, another guy, no idea who he was, but the numbers that he has, the underlying numbers are positive. You put up ten points in eleven games. I'll give you a little, at least I'll give I'll give you the benefit of the doubt that you might be able to bring something to the organization one day. Yeah. So I don't know. That, and then there was a long pause, a long break. This is where the uh the weather the weather warnings were coming into effect. Yeah. And then the Canadians picked one more player in the seventh round. Right. And that is Luke Middle Middlestad University, University of Minnesota, Minnesota at 197. 197. 20 year old player, five foot eleven and seventy-four. A puck moving, moving defenseman. So, honestly, I think at the, at the seventh round, this this to me was for those, those who wanted a slider. This is the guy, the high value slider. Here you go. They got one for sure. Uh, he was ranked extremely high on pretty much everybody else's list. Uh, Craig Button had him at ninety one. Uh, Central Scouting had him at ninety seven. Uh, Daily Faceoff 103. Uh, the only one that really nailed his spot was McKean's Hawkeye one night. I think that was that was some pretty good, good uh, pretty good work by McKean's. Now he, he's a he's fairly good puck runner. He played for Team USA in the under 20, so he played with uh, with uh, Lane Hudson. He had three points in seven games for Team USA in that tournament. And he had 21 points in 38 games for the University, the University of Minnesota. So he's playing in a good hockey. He's playing in a good hockey school. Yeah. yeah. 
and he'll be there for a couple more years. Uh, he does need to add some size and strength. Uh, he does need to work on a few things in his game, but this is one of those picks where it might hit. He might become an NHL player, and at seventh round, it's pretty freaking good. The Canadians have had a pretty good go with seventh rounders recently. Yeah. I'm going to hope for the best. Hopefully he can do more pull-ups on his brother or cousin. Right? But uh, other than other than that, uh, again, it was one of those seventh-round picks, a guy that dropped. Um, he wasn't drafted last year. He was draft eligible last season. Um, but he, you know, he put up, he put up decent numbers with, uh, in the USHL, he put up uh, 55 points in 60 games. And then this year's first year with, uh, University of Minnesota, he put up 21 in 38. So we've seen him play a little bit at the, uh, at the world junior level. It's worth taking a shot at, uh, with a seventh round pick. I, I, I've got no issue with this pick either. Um, there's a lot of what ifs, of course. Uh, what if they pick this guy? What if they pick this guy? What if they pick this guy? But uh, again, that'll be for another show when we get Trigger on here as well. But uh, overall, what would you rank? What would you rank the uh, the draft? I mean, there was obviously there's picks that I want, want to agree with, but I I, I can. I can, I can put myself in their shoes and see what, what they were doing, what their plan was, what their goal was. And I think they did well to meet that. Do I think it was ambitious enough? No. So I would probably give them a C plus to a B minus. Yeah. I'd say around the South, I'll, I'll just go with a C. Um, I, I, I think that the, uh, the potential is there for some of these players. Yeah. Um, mainly for me, it's the Reinbacher and, uh, and Fowler. And uh, Miller as well. Um, but at the end of the day, I think we were hoping that with the fifth pick, there'd be a little bit more to it. Um, and then after that, when 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 31 was traded, when 37 was traded, and we saw the, the names that were still available with those picks and the, and the, the guys that went with those picks, um, I just feel that... They could have done a little bit more. However, not going to shit on New Hook or anything. Um, but yeah, I, I I just feel that the draft kind of left me wanting a little bit more in terms of what the Canadians could have done. However, picks are in. They're member. They're they're part of the Canadians organization now. So I'm going to say as positive as I can and still cheer for the damn team. And, uh, and and go from there, but uh, overall, uh, a little disappointing. And uh, I think we got that same vibe from uh, the majority of the Habs fan base uh, on social media and the ones that were in attendance here in Nashville. Yeah, there's a few that were on uh, social media screaming bloody murder that they were going to burn their jerseys and they've quit the fan base. This is it. They can't take it no more. I mean. You didn't think that the rebuild was going to take a year and a half, did you? Like, did you honestly think that? I mean, next year, yeah, sure, the team will be a little bit better, but they're still not going to be that good. They're yeah. still going to have a decent pick next year. They're still going to need to add pieces. They still need to drop players. I mean, uh, Frank Valley was talking about uh, Hoffman as a uh, cap dump, as a possibility happening in the next couple of days. So there's a lot of work left to do. And just because your guy wasn't the one pick doesn't mean that the whole team sucks and they have to die and all this shit. Yeah. Ease up. But there's a long summer ahead. So as disappointed as you may be, and the reasonable fans, some, quite a few of them are, some understand why they made these picks and wish they would have done differently. But like you, they're giving them the benefit the doubt. the doubt we're saying okay i'll, I'll wait and see i'll, I'll, I'll put, put my, my judgment, judgment on this in a couple, couple of years. years which with prospects is the better way to go yeah it's going to be it's going to be hard to look at a lot of the what ifs yeah. if montreal would have kept this pick if they would have taken this player etc but like it happens every year it's just this year there was so many players 
that um, the fan base was very high on. But after Smith was gone, after Fent, you know, we we, we weren't going to get Fantilli. Let's just say that. Um, but after, yeah, came close. Yeah, but like after Smith, after Smith was gone, and yeah. it, it got down to what everyone was thinking: Are they going to take Maffei Mitchkov? Obviously, they didn't make that pick. Now it's the what ifs. Now it's the what if we would have picked this guy? What if we would have done this? And again, happens every year. But I'm saying to this to the to Canadians fans, let's just slow roll a little bit. Let's let these guys develop. Let's let them play their game. Let's see what we can what we have here. Give it a little bit of time before you start criticizing and uh, burning jerseys and saying all these negative things about some of these kids because at the end of the day, they're still kids. And uh, I'd, like I'd like to point to... out that a lot of the people that are really vocal and very negative, I mean, there's there's some that are disappointed, but I'm talking about the extreme end, the, the ones that are really up in arms, screaming bloody murder, uh, making uh, not comparisons. comparisons all the like, they're, they're the same, same ones that in 2018 desperately wanted Zadina and thought that Kotkaniemi was absolute hot right. garbage. Right. And then a couple of years later, Kotkaniemi still hot garbage to them. But now suddenly they were, oh no, I wanted to, I wanted to, to Chuck, to Chuck instead <laughs> yeah, yeah. because Zadina started this up. So they're, they're, you got to realize that you can't be drafting with hindsight. You, you, you stick with the pick that you made and compare who you had to who they picked. And then, then we can all have a, a proper discussion. But if the player hits and becomes a, an NHL player uh, who can do the job, then it's not that big of a miss. I don't think Kotkaniemi was a huge mistake in uh, three. Yes, they, they mishandled him, but he's still an NHL player. He's still capable of playing middle six. At, at a top five pick, you want a star. I, I agree. No argument. So they go with Reinbacher at five. He, and people are upset that he's probably not going to be a star. And there's going to be a long summer between now and the training camp. So I'm going to leave this question, you know, question, question to everybody here. here. You, you guys, guys can, can put your it. comments in the, in the comments on YouTube. What does the team need to do over this summer to win you back, to, to make you buy into this rebuild again? What, what do they need to do? So Stop. put those comments in. And when we do the next show with Trey, we're going we're gonna to take out a few of these top comments and we'll use them as part of the show. Uh, we'll give you guys shout outs and uh, we'll see if who's got uh, some really good ideas out there. Maybe we can, we hire, can hire them on as a GM. <laughs> so uh, anything else? Um, I got nothing else, but Nashville has been fantastic. Um, as of all the bars that we've uh, <laughs> been to, um this is definitely uh it's definitely a destination that's for sure if you ever think about coming down here the food has been absolutely incredible the uh the people are very hospitable uh if you like uh you know what like i'm not a huge country i'm not a huge country fan i'm not a huge country fan however the bars that we have been to we were at tootsies we were at the valence we were at valentine twice actually uh we were at jason aldean's etc uh probably hit a couple more spots tonight but um you don't have to be a country fan to be here to to appreciate it um the music's fantastic um the uh it's it's a great spot it's a great spot if you like barbecue you definitely come so uh that's all that's all i have to say um i know that we're about to head out for for dinner so Yeah. yeah, so if you come to Nashville, watch out for the Stagettes because they are they are vicious. Just stay stay clear of them. They are everywhere. <laughs> they are everywhere. They will ask you to take their photo, be part of the photo. They might even put a sash on you. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I'm bride to be now, but yeah. I don't know. <laughs> they look great in the TR. Yeah. Uh, all right. So that's it for us here in Nashville. Uh, I want to thank everyone for tuning in, listening. Uh, and keep the interactions going. We, we've had a lot of really great comments from you, uh, from everyone that's listened. 
some ideas that we're going to put into into place. Uh, and again, you know, if we run into you guys in public, that we like that we like yeah. meeting people that we interact with here online, uh, and it's that's that's a highlight of the trip for us. So, so keep interacting, and maybe at the next draft, we'll all run into each other at uh, at one of the slot table slots or blackjack tables. So uh, I'd like to thank everyone for listening and remember, if you're talking about it, so are we. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, undercurrent podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network.